You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. It is a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us at Mission Point. And this is the kickoff night for our small groups. So we have small groups happening throughout the building. And um, we have Grief Share happening upstairs. We have our youth small group happening. And then also, uh, a Love That Lasts. That's our small group in here. Uh, over the next um, 12 weeks, uh, if the Lord tarries, we will be part of a, a, a small group in here, and we're so glad that you've joined, and uh, they'll be passing out some notes concerning the lesson, and uh, also, uh, as they're passing out those notes, um, they will also have um, pledge forms in case you were not able to be part of our missions conference. For the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be uh, making that available to you. And, of course, uh, if you were able to join us online on uh, this past weekend, we had our missions conference, and what a, an incredible time we had uh, in missions conference with Brother Drost and Brother Cisco. And uh, we thank the Lord for what has taken place already, and we believe that God is going to uh, even continue to, to bless uh, and your faithfulness in participating in our missions. Of course, our missions supports global missionaries, home missionaries, ladies, men, children, youth, Bible college, cruising for Christ. We have many things that our missions uh, takes care of, and I See My City is our theme for 2021-2022, uh, and so we're excited about that, where we're going to focus on, on our city and our daughter works and satellite churches, and so we're excited. And so just to give you an update, we're just under 222,000 uh, as of today, and so we're excited about that. And so if you want to participate in our missions pledge giving, uh, then uh, they're also having pledge cards there that you can get from the ushers that are passing out the notes. So uh, just a little bit about our, our small groups, and um, we got... We got really, um, the next 12 weeks, you're going to see uh, multiple speakers on, on the small group. The first six lessons uh, will be done by myself, and um, a love that last takes in really our thoughts around relationship, and so we're focusing on, on relationship. And the first part of our small group, a love that last, is uh, the notes are taken from my capstone dissertation uh, for my master's program uh, that we finished in April. And uh, this is around the idea of the heritage of the Lord. And the heritage of the Lord obviously takes in uh, our children, our grandchildren, uh, anybody that you have uh, that you uh, could affect as an adult, uh, whether it's teaching uh, your own children, teaching in our our children's ministry program, our youth program, uh, or, or, uh, or children in your community. And so uh, this is um, 
these lessons uh, we've put a, a, a lot of work into, and uh, obviously I will try to cite the information as I share to you, but you'll have there uh, the notes as well, um, and uh, there's some fill-in-the-blanks uh, that you can follow along, and we'll try to make sure uh, we cover uh, everything uh, in the lesson. So uh, just so uh, you have a breakdown, the first six lessons are broken into three categories, a love and respect of God, a love and respect of yourself, and a love and respect of others. And how do we, how do we train children, first of all, to love and respect God, love and respect themselves, and love and respect others? And uh, it is crucial. Our, our, um, our children are not an afterthought of our, of our society or our church. The children are a very, very important aspect of our church. I think we had uh, around 14 or 15 babies born during the pandemic. Uh, this is, and so we're excited about that. So this is a very important part of our congregation. So um, you say, well, you know, I don't know if this affects me. Yeah, it affects you. If you, if you know a child, it affects you. And, um, and so it's very, very important. And we take our passage of... Of scripture uh, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord and with all, uh, all your strength. And so uh, some interesting things to know from, uh, from birth to age 5, uh, a, brain, a child's brain develops more than at any other time of his life. So it's, it's uh, this aspect of a child before age five, five and under, they learn 70% of everything they ever know. Um, when you stop and think about that for a second, you realize how important it is. And so uh, an article that was published in the New York Times Parenting in April 2020 uh, stated that the early brain development of a child has a lasting impact on a child's ability to learn and succeed uh, in school and in life. Uh, when it comes to a, a person being successful in their life, a large part of that has uh, an impact of how a person is trained or has uh, received information into their life right from a very, very, very early age. And so the other positive or negative helps shape how their brain develops. Uh, it is known that 90% of brain growth happens before the age in which a child attends kindergarten. So 90% of the brain growth happens uh, before a child attends kindergarten. Seventy percent of everything we know is by that age. So if you know a five-year-old, uh, they've learned 70 percent of what they'll know in life and uh, has happened. Um, Frederick uh, states that the self-evident duties of a child from a Judaism perspective consists of obeying and learning. Therefore, uh, scriptures such as Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7 uh, says, you will teach them diligently to your children, and ye shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, 
when you lie down and when you rise up. Uh, these, this, this passage is repeated again in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19. Uh, through those capacities that is mentioned in, in verse 7, there is no time during the day that it's not time to be teaching a child. There is no time. Um, everything you do when you're walking, lying, sitting, um, or rising up, uh, is important in the aspects of teaching a child or a grandchild. Don't underestimate the importance of, of, of uh, your grandchildren or other people's your setting or as a teacher at, at school. Uh, there is never a time when you're not teaching. Even when you don't think you are, you are. What's so interesting about a child is they are, they're watching everything you do. They really are. So the writer of Proverbs, he reiterates this theme in Proverbs 4, verse 1. He says, hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give watching and be careful of what instruction you're given, what understanding you're providing because they are taking note. Um, and I'll just give you, I'll just give you a, a couple examples. Um, what's interesting, let's say someone is uh, using foul language around a child. You never have to teach a child how to swear. You'll never have to teach them how to swear. Those will be the words they remember. Okay, you have to teach a child not to lie. Not to lie. Um, these are the aspects. So... You know, you're not, you're not into teaching a child how to steal. You're into teaching a child to not take something that's not theirs or when they haven't asked. And so uh, that's the understanding and the instruction. See, Jewish children were taught uh, the Shema, uh, Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They recite it. This game older, the important part of the Judaism prayer service would be recited twice a day. So as a, as a child up to age five, they would repeat that once a day. And as they got older, they repeated it twice. By age five, the child would be prepared to study the, the, uh, the Mikra, or Mikra uh, the Hebrew Bible called the Tanakh in preparation for memorization. So uh, what's happening is by age five, they're, they're, they're repeating already, okay? And so uh, by the age of five to age 12, they're learning memorization. Uh, memorization where they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. What you have, they would memorize those first five books in Hebrew. So um, the Hebrew Bible called the Tanakh is, uh, was in preparation for memorization. Uh, this is an example I'll share with you of a bedtime Shema for young children in the English translation from a rabbinical site there. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Praised is the Lord by day and praised by night. Praised when we lie down and praised when we rise up. I place my spirit in his care when I wake as when I sleep, God is with me. I shall not fear body and spirit in his 
keep. Um, this, is, this is like a prayer that they would pray on a, on a, on a regular basis. That's an example. An ex- and, and again, it goes back to they were imparted. We get this idea, for example, that uh, we're babysitting. You're not babysitting. No, no. Uh, nursery class at children's ministry is not babysitting. Uh, when you have children, you're, you know, the, it's, it's not mom looks after the kids, and when they're with daddy, he's babysitting. <laughs> that's, that's not true. That's incorrect. We are training children continually. Uh, according to Scripture, there is no time during the day that you're not training. Uh, so this is, this is a, a, a critically important. You see how important it was to Judaism. There was no, well, you know what, I... I think we'll take a break today. No, no. This was a continual basis of every day. When combining the thoughts, uh, it can be understood that the biblical training of children with a focus on loving and respecting God must begin at birth. That's according to Her Garrison Frederick. Uh, it has to begin at birth. Um, the scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 have the same effect on children today as they did. In, you know, we have to be considerate of the passage that we read to you is just not some Old Testament passage for what happened to the Jewish kids of the Bible. No, no, this is, this is important today. This is important today. Okay, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, the most important thing is, is not some person that is part of some fictional uh, story that they need to know about. You know, it's, it's, you know, children's books and all that. But it's, it's not more important for them to learn the fictional characters of our day than it is to know what the Shema says. Okay, it's all about principle of what we put into children. And so, uh, if you're going to have a love that lasts for the child, it's going to be important of what they are taking in. Okay, if I want them to, if if I want the child to learn uh, the hockey player's name, guess what? They'll learn it. That's not more important. Okay, we have to understand that what we put in is what they learn. So we got to be considerate. The verses that are known as the Shema mean, uh, the meaning is here, which is the first Hebrew word of the sentence of this passage. The Shema is central to Old Testament religion in the fact that it is celebrated in Judaism and is a confession of faith repeated in synagogue services across the world for centuries. Thing that um, according to Richards, uh, it's, it's not new. It's still done. It's still the process. And so it's important that we, we take right from that first word, hear. Take note. Stop. Hear what's being said. Okay? And we even have to ask ourselves that. What is it that we're telling children, young people, uh, that is most important? Okay. The word, uh, the Hebrew word for one that's found in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. First, Moses states this great truth is more than just some simple philosophical expression of an idea that the Israelite uh, God, Yahweh, 
is the only God in existence. It's much more than that. It emphasizes the consistency of God. He never changes. He, he, is, he can't be duplicated. Okay? He will not be duplicated in his character, and he is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be the same if tomorrow arrives. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Understand that it's more than just a, a single being. It's the consistency that God never changes. Okay? He isn't duplicating himself. He isn't multiplying. He isn't becoming something different tomorrow. No, he is the same today as he was yesterday. So we're instructed to train uh, uh, children in multiple areas, including worship, commitment, and to, we're to teach them in worship, commitment, and dedication. Uh, if if the child or young person or grandchild, whatever the case, if they're going to learn, they're going to learn this from you. They don't need to learn worship from someone else. They need to learn it from you. They don't need to learn commitment from someone else. They need to learn it from you and dedication, obviously, from you as well. So the question is, who to worship? Who to worship is absolutely God and none other. Uh, he and he alone is Jehovah Yahweh. Um, there is no one beside him. There's no one like him. No one compares to him. There was no one before him, and there will be no one after him. Amen. Um, so the Lord, and when you see capital O, capital, or capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's, that's not speaking of uh, just sigil, Yahweh. Okay, so, um, uh, so the Lord is one. Who, who are we to worship? We're to worship the true God. True God. Um, and then he says, love the Lord, love Jehovah, with all your heart. Uh, the heart is, is, is mentioned as the seat of the understanding. It's the seat of the understanding. So the three special functions, knowing, feeling, and willing, uh, are ascribed by modern psychologists to the mind. And they were attributed to the heart by biblical writers. And, and so what you know, how you feel, and your will, all happens in the mind. I make up my mind. Uh, that is a key component. If you're going to love the Lord with all your heart or, or all of your understanding, that starts in the mind. That doesn't start with my body. That starts in my mind. Um, so my knowing, feeling, and willing. Uh, love the Lord with all your, the center of will and personality. And so that's, that's uh, who you are as a person. Okay, so we all in here have different personalities. Aren't you thankful for that? Not everyone would want to be me, and uh, maybe not everyone would want to be you. Um, I'm thankful we all have different personalities. And so we all have an individual soul. That is your will and your personality. 
your power of choice. Uh, hopefully, you're not here tonight just because you had to be. Hopefully, you desired to come. Hopefully, it was your will. Hopefully, it was by choice. Uh, that is a representation of your soul. And then he says, love the Lord with all your strength. Uh, the might uh, as representing the outgoings, the energies of all the vital power. So uh, I'm doing it with all my strength, my might. I'm giving my energy to God. I'm giving my energy to him. Everyone is in charge of that, of yourself. Um, for example, uh, the age that you have the most energy in life is age three. If you're older than three, your energy level started going down. If you wonder how it's possible that a three-year-old can keep going and be going still 11, 12 o'clock at night, middle of the night, you wonder how is it possible they can run continually. Well, that's when they have the most energy in their whole life is by age three. So, again, it is important up to this age that we are imparting everything possible. It's incredible what they can learn. Uh, so, uh, who to worship? You're going to worship the Lord with all your understanding, with your will and personality, and with all your strength. Okay, so that's what, that's what uh, a child, a young person, um, a person that you're influencing needs to see. Okay, it shouldn't be, well, you know, you need to go to the altar, son, and, and you stay in your seat. No, let them see your worship by you giving an example to them. They're following. They're getting to know. They're getting to feel, and the will is created there. Um, secondly, um, uh, commitment to who? Who to be committed to? Uh, Moses' sermon concerning the covenant way of life begins in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 44, and, and where it is explained as the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. So before we ever get to Deuteronomy 6, uh, Moses is, he's actually putting the foundation. Um, this is, this is uh, the children of Israel need to learn this. Okay, and so that's having a plan. People that are prospective parents, people that have young children, people who are becoming grandchildren or grandparents, have a plan. Okay, have a plan. Um, you know, it's important to, to take time throughout that day in teaching them, uh, in teaching them what the law of God is that Moses set in place uh, before the children of Israel. Uh, you know, you say, well, um, you know, I don't know how much they understand. Let me tell you, children may not be able to explain everything, but they will remember. They have an incredible uh, uh, ability in their memory. Okay, they, they have, and so commit it to who? Moses describes the law as the means for divine instruction for righteous living. And that righteous living is in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. And so what Moses is saying uh, is um, in the, it, he's setting out the law. So the first five books, remember, is the first, 
Five books is what they memorized by age 12. Uh, between the age 12 and 15, they learned the understanding of what those verses were. But up to age 12, they didn't have complete understanding of everything, but they memorized it. And so what happens is Moses is describing that, okay, this is the law that's going to help them to have righteous living. That simply means to be able to live right. Um, understanding uh, how important that is. So uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know. I think Miko was probably uh, maybe uh, four or five, maybe six years old. Um, we were living in Bathurst at the time. And uh, I had gone to home, home hardware to pick up something. We were doing something at the church, and I needed to uh, some type of supply. I forget what it was. But we went to home hardware to pick up something, and Miko went with me. And uh, we got what we needed, and we left, and we got back to the church. And uh, he said, Dad, look what I got. And I said, what do you got? And he had a screw. And I said, where did you get that? And he said, I got it at the store we were at. So I said, well, that's, you know, we didn't pay for that. So we're going to have to get back in the vehicle, and we're going to have to go back to the store and we're going to have to explain to the lady that we took this, didn't pay for it, because that's stealing. Okay, so that's what we did. So we get in the car, and we went back to the store. And I told the lady um, that, uh, that Miko had picked that up and didn't realize that, you know, that was wrong, and he shouldn't have done that, and we're bringing it back. And, and uh, he's going to let you know that that process is not going to happen again. And I remember her thinking that I had lost my mind. And that's the feeling I got. Like, you got to be crazy. You made this trip all the way back here to bring back that screw. And, of course, <laughs> I, it, it kind of irritated me a little bit, and I just said, screw today, tomorrow, screwdriver. Now, I, I wasn't being prophetic in the sense that he would steal the screwdriver, but the idea was he had to come to an understanding. The understanding was we're going to set the law before him for righteous living. That's the idea. And what happens is it cures a lot of that uh, at a very early age. And so that's what the commitment to, a commitment to God is. I want to I wanna live right. And so this is where Moses is setting this forward in Exodus and Leviticus. The moral laws, the additional regu regulations for holy living were designed to guide the, the Israelites in their conduct as God's holy people. This was their lifestyle. I think we would be a lot better off today if a lot more of this was taught. Okay, if the cashier gives too much money, take it back. It's not a gift from God. 
This is, this is about having conduct. There's, there's something that is stated when you have principle. Principle. Okay, simple obedience to these moral, civil, or ceremonial laws would distinguish them from surrounding nations. This was the principle of Jewish children. Well, it hasn't changed. The, the, the righteous living of civil or moral or ceremonial law within us today should distinguish us. It should pull you apart from the rest of the world. No matter what the rest of the world says is okay, what does the Word of God say in righteous living? This is what's being or uh, the need to be taught to our children right from an early age. Again, keep in mind, 70% of what they learn is by age five. Say, well, you know, they're too, too young to understand. Don't fool yourself. Okay? Um, all you have to do is watch a kid that's just learning how to walk or is crawling, and you have something there that you don't want them to touch. And they've heard you say no before. And a child at a very young age will come up to, reach out, look around at you to see if it's going to be okay this time. Okay, so don't, don't underestimate how incredibly intelligent a child or, or a grandchild or a young person is. So this is the, the simple obedience um, distinguishes them from the surrounding nations. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the law in which Moses explains the most important expression of the Israelite concept of monotheism, uh, the one God mentality. And so what happens is um, in this book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is getting it very clear right from the uh, birth of a child. We're going to recite uh, that it's important to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's consistent. He, he is by himself. No one is like him. We're going to start that at a very early age, and that's the commitment. The commitment is to God, God Almighty. Uh, the third aspect is dedication to who? Again, you're, you're teaching a child right from an early age. Do you know what's interesting? Um, I'll just give you, this is not in your notes, but these are some things I learned in my study. So a, a, a mother, a prospective mother, prospective mother that's coming to church while she's pregnant, um, the child in the womb will learn the noises of church before the child's born. What's interesting is, and you can watch it, parents that, uh, prospective parents, and they have a child, uh, the music can be loud, and the preacher can be hollering and screaming, and the child is sound asleep. You try that at home, and that ain't working. I mean... Children can hear the footsteps of someone upstairs. 
but they get used to the sound of the church. That's before birth. Before they're ever born, they get used to the sounds. Um, that's been proven. Um, the second thing is interesting. Uh, hear this one. Children, if you've noticed, become very quick to learn technology. You can take a child that's one, two years old, and they can understand the process of swiping. They learned that in the womb from the mother. This is, um, when you stop and think of, well, how, how old does a child need to be to learn something? They're learning things before they're ever born. Okay, so they're learning the sounds of the assembly. They're, they're learning the swiping motion. Don't let the world dictate of your beginning, of your children and grandchildren, of when you're going to start reciting the Scripture to them and whether they can handle it or not. Start before they're ever born. Let them hear the sounds of the Scripture and who they're to be committed to. Yeah. Who to worship and who to be committed to. Thirdly, dedication to who? The manner of the mezuzah, or mezuzah, you can, there's different pronunciations, but mezuzah. The manner of the mezuzah, a door jam or frame, custom has taken various forms in Jewish history. Over time, the custom evolved in which a small box or container would be attached to the doorpost. And so when you went into a Jewish home, there would be like um, uh, what they called, uh, uh, what we would think of as a container that would be attached to the doorpost. And to this day, the mezuzah is a sign of a household that honors God and is dedicated to his service. Uh, the most important part of the mezuzah is the parchment inside bearing two biblical passages. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, and chapter 11, verses 13 to 21. A lot of that is repeated again in, those, in that second passage. And the mezuzah is normally affixed on the right side of the doorway as one enters the room. And it is common to see people touch the mezuzah as they would pass through the doorway. So if you can picture it this way, on the right-hand side of the door, there would be a container, and in that container would be two, par two uh, pieces of Scripture. And while they're going through the doorway, they would touch that container, which contained those two pieces of Scripture. Even though there is no uh, specific reference in the New Testament, to the custom of affixing the mezuzah, there, were, there are a number of principles to which it can be applied. So when Jesus um, was explaining the significance of gates and doorways in the Jewish culture, he explained to his disciple, uh, disciples that he was the gate of the sheep. The whole idea behind what he's saying is, you know, not, not that you picture some lattice work and, and that's a door or, or a gate. No, he's, he's giving his disciples, uh, for you to pass through, you need to touch me. 
This is more than just a container on the side of the door any longer. No, this is the door. Jesus is the door. And everything that's taught in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11 is prophetic of Jesus Christ. And so what happens is that's the culture. Jesus was teaching them that um, when you're going through that doorway, um, you need me. I am that door. Okay. Uh, when Jesus was asked by a rabbi which, command, which commandment he considered to be the most important, you can see that in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, he responded with Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 4 and 5. He comes back to, okay, okay, Jesus, tell us what the most important commandment is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment, he said. And then he said, the second is like unto it. This is an example of how he's teaching his disciples and even in the New Testament that there is no other way but by him. Well, that's what every child needs to learn. Every young person needs to learn. Every grandchild. You need to teach diligently all throughout the day that it's only by him. It's only by Jesus Christ. Okay? It's, they're not going to get... They're not going to get anywhere just on your ability or your knowledge. They need to learn about God. See, these are principles. Um, and you say, well, I got no young children. I got, you know, listen, if you got teenagers or your grandchildren are teenagers or, or you got great-grandchildren, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Start. Say, well, you know, they learned 70% by age five, they still got 30% more to learn. Start. Make sure that you're getting every bit of principle that you can in by saying, this is the door. This is the one that you need to diligently, diligently seek and search after. So I'll end it tonight with some practical ways to obviously tra train children in worship, commitment, and dedication. Because this is that first lesson of a love that lasts. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I want our children to be saved. I want our grandkids to be saved. And so I want us to do everything we can to put into. Say, well, you know, I haven't had children. I, well, then just, just find a child that you connect with in your community, whatever it is, and every moment you get, impart something. Impart something. And here's some practical ways to train children in these three areas of worship, commitment, and dedication. Quote scripture, even though the children cannot read. Um, this can happen um, even before birth. Don't be afraid if you're... If you're um, if you're ready, going to have a child or you want to have a child or whatever the case is. Some people say, oh, Lord, no. Okay. Um, don't underestimate the quoting of children or quoting of Scripture even before birth. 
They're hearing that word. Um, you have children come over to your house. You're putting them to bed. You got grandkids. Listen, uh, I, I watch as, as, especially my wife, she'll take some undivided attention and time with those grandkids and she'll ask them questions about the word of God and it's amazing how, how much they can learn in such a, just a young age. It's, a, it's incredible. And, and to quote scripture to them, let them hear. Let them hear what the scripture says. Let them hear. Um, because when you're quoting that scripture, something is happening in their mind, in their spirit. They may not even fully understand it yet, but it's going in. It's taking up residence. Um, just for example, where our children, before they, uh, they, they went into Bible quizzing, before they ever could read. So we're actually teaching them the scripture before they could read. They are able to memorize the scripture before they could read the scripture. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, if I, if I, I, I better not get into quizzing. That's a, a huge part of my life. Our two oldest were part of it for 14 years. And Marissa was part of it for 11 years. Uh, Miko and Miranda learned over 5,000 verses in that period of time. And uh, seven, all of 17, uh, uh, most or all of 17 books of the Bible within that period of time. There was something that was put into the spirit of memorization. People can get all caught up in the competition of it and all that. And that's part of it. Kids enjoy that part of it too. But something was going into the heart. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing more powerful than the Word of God. Nothing. Um, so, read Scripture, quote Scripture, uh, even before they're born. So, never stop. Set a designated time each day in which to be intentional with training children to worship. Uh, and to explain commitment and dedication at age-appropriate ways. You can't sit a three-year-old down for 20 minutes and expect them to listen. It's not happening. Remember, that's when they have the most energy in their life. Okay, you're going to have a three-year-old for approximately three minutes. Okay, so whatever you're teaching at their appropriate age is, is similar to their age. So you got, you got three or four minutes. That's, that's, that's if you're interesting. <laughs> um, you got to go according to their age. And so uh, teaching the idea of worship, teaching the idea of commitment. And commitment can't be as simple as taking care of their Bible. Commitment can be as simple as, as preparing for, for church. Commitment can be as simple as um, taking time to pray each day. All right, we, we obviously desire people to brush their teeth every day. Um, well, prayer should be as, as essential as brushing our teeth. The child needs to learn that. There's, there's no um, laying down uh, without prayer. So prioritize, number three, a God-balanced day, week, month, and year so children actually get used to the routine 
if, if, uh, if a parent only comes to church once a month, that's not going to be much of a routine for a child. If, if, if dad only prays when something goes wrong, then the child, that's what they're going to learn. You only have to pray when something goes wrong. It's a routine that they need to get into daily, weekly, obviously monthly, and yearly. Children learn that routine. What's exciting is, and I watch it with our grandchildren, and, I'm, and it makes my heart glad, they can't, they can't wait for it to be church day. Now, why is that? Because church has become part of the routine. They can't wait for it to be church day. Now, it may not be for all the right reasons. They may want to see other kids, okay? But they can't wait to get to church. Um, and so it's, it becomes part of the routine. Uh, number uh, four, take children to the house of the Lord. They will adapt to the environment and their surroundings even at a young age. You will, you will notice this. Please, church, understand this. Kids crying and kids hollering and kids, that affect on It doesn't. I mean, you will hear your kids crying or whatever. It doesn't, I'm not, it doesn't stop me, halt me, hold me back, none of that. Listen, let the child learn the surroundings of church. Now, there are times when maybe you have to take them out. But children, remember, uh, understand very quickly what they have to do to get their way. So if that's the first thing you do, jump out and run to the back, guess what? They know exactly what to do. Sometimes I think adults have never lost it. Alter time, man, it's like rush to the bathroom at time. It's, um, anyway, I, I'm getting on, I want to be on kids here. Number five, as parents lead the children, children will follow the example set forth by the parents. So, for example, altar, uh, children will follow the parent to the altar. Don't be afraid to bring the child at, at when you're still holding them in your arms, they learn that that's where to go. Don't be afraid to bring your child to prayer. Well, I, you know what, they can't be occupied for an hour. Bring your child to prayer. Let them understand the necessity of prayer. Carry them while you pray. Let them hear you pray. Pray for them. Let them follow you as you walk. I Listen, I... I don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. I really don't. Because I know how important it is for a child. You know, they, I come sometimes to prayer and three or four of them are doing laps of the church. That don't bother me. They're in prayer. Okay, they're learning the, the routine of coming to prayer. Okay, let it be that they follow you. If you have grandchildren, don't be afraid to bring them to prayer. Don't be afraid to bring them to the altar. Don't be afraid to stand and worship. Don't be afraid to raise your hands. They're watching everything you do. Okay? Number six, do not depend on others to do the training. No one has more influence on the children than the parents. 
If you're depending on our children's ministries to train your children, that's, that's, not, that's not even fair. We have them for an hour or two a week. Now, I, I don't want to get too off the notes here, but you have to understand how Sunday school started. Sunday school started when parents stopped doing at home what they were supposed to. You can trace it back. So you can't, you can't ignore the importance of training your children at home. It can't be left to the ones that are giving of their time during the week at church. That's not enough. It's not enough. It's, that's extra. That's the gravy. Okay, that's the icing on the cake. Whatever you want to call it. Okay, that's the extra. Don't, don't leave that to be the training. Um, no one has more influence on the children than the parents. Allow children the opportunity to develop singing and praying and playing of musical instruments, even at a young age. Doesn't, doesn't matter if it sounds right. Get them a ukulele and let them play it. Who cares if they know everything about it? You know, just, there's, there's nothing wrong. Well, this, they, they don't know all the words to the song. Let them sing. Let them sing the words they know. Um, I go back to some of the, the songs I hear the, our grandchildren singing, and the, the, words are, the words are not the way the words are supposed to be. I'm going to have a victory a victory instead of a victory. Let them sing. Let them sing it. Listen, they can, they can learn all the musical songs that society has, but let them sing the worship song. Let them sing to their best of their ability, praying and playing of instruments at a young age. Provide opportunities for children. You knew this was going to be in here somewhere. To memorize Scripture in beginner or junior Bible quizzing programs. Provide a platform for creating such an opportunity. You say, well, it's a lot of work, Pastor. Of course it's a lot of work. Anything, you, anything worth doing is a lot of work. Okay, I, I know it's a lot of work. I, I have no doubt about it. Know it for sure. But I know how important it can be. And there's something about the power of His Word. The power of His Word will never, ever diminish his word will never return void his word brings life amen the power of his word is so incredible and um i watch as as our children speak and they're involved in ministry and and i watch as the 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 the, the verses come out so quickly now let me, make, let me make a point here. I'm, I'm coming to a close. Do you think for a minute that our children wanted to Bible quiz every day? No. There was lots of days they didn't want to Bible quiz. But that's why I was the parent and they were the child. They weren't making the decisions. We, we, are, we were not and we are not best friends. I'm still their parent. 
Okay, I'm not, I'm, my goal is not to be best friends with my son or my, my daughters. No, I'm still their dad. If I need to still say something they need to hear, guess what? They're going to still hear it. I'm going to tell them in as much love as I can, but I'm still going to tell them what they need to hear. Doesn't even matter whether they like it or not. I'm their parent. This is the idea. The idea behind this is to create a platform, an opportunity. The Word of God is the most powerful thing. Man, I, I knew I didn't dare get onto that. Number nine, evaluate the environment that is being provided on a regular basis. From the moment a baby is born, a basic outlook of life is acquired. Dobson says that. Dodson, uh, not Dobson, Dodson. Trust, happiness, and philosophy of life uh, are determined by the environment that parents provide. So how you build trust, how you build happiness, and how the philosophy of life is attained is by your outlook. Okay, if your outlook is gloomy and doomy, that's what the child's going to be. And so you're determ the, the, they're determined by the environment the parents provide. And so be careful of the environment that you are creating. Uh, if you have an environment in your house of God being priority and God being first, that's what will be uh, as the environment the child has. And so build that environment. Uh, and last but not least, be intentional as parents um, to have uh, heated discussions without children present. Okay, the children don't need to hear um, your, your discussions. Very, very important. Um, some, some people call them different things. That's a nice way of putting it. I wanted to make sure my paper was friendly. Um, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, that shouldn't happen in front of the children. Shouldn't happen in front. And I'll tell you this story in closing. So, of course, our, our grandkids know us as Grammy and Bampy. Or one of them calls her Gram. They all call me Bampy. Uh, one of them, one day, was at our house, and uh, we, were, we were talking back and forth. And, of course, the grandkids usually never get to hear us say each other's name. That's, I mean, that's, it's unnecessary most times. So um, we noticed as he was looking very intently from the table, as I called her Daphne, and uh, she said something and called me Brent. So on the way home... Uh, after the visit, the little lad told his mom that Bampy and Grammy were fighting. And she said, well, what were Bampy and Grammy fighting about? He said, she called him Brent and he called her Daphne. Just the environment of us using our real name to him was enough thought that we were in an argument. Don't underestimate. Be intentional about uh, how you even talk to each other. They are watching everything. Okay, and even at times when they're in bed or whatever, uh, they can still hear conversations. Uh, so be, 
be cautious of that. This is the first lesson of loving and respecting God. This is how a child, how you and I should be training individuals to love and respect God. This is a love that lasts, a love that lasts. Uh, that's the first lesson. We'll be doing five more lessons um, that deal with uh, another lesson that deals with God and two lessons that deal with yourself and then two, two lessons that deal with others. Amen. So this is our small group. Let's all stand tonight. There's lots of principles, actually, in what is taught tonight that is still relevant no matter what age you are. And uh, you can be an elder. You can be someone who's um, uh, in your 30s or 40s or 50s, 70s, 80s, and you can still memorize Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh, I hear from Sister Tompkins on a regular basis, and and she's, she memorized scripture on a daily basis. And I'm, you know, that, that to me is just speaks so awesome about the word of God, how powerful it is. Don't be afraid to, to take a scripture and, and, um, and memorize that scripture. Put it into your spirit. It's amazing how that will come back at just the right moments of your day. Amen. God, I thank you tonight. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you, God, for your wonderful people tonight. I thank you, Lord, for all the sessions that are happening throughout the building tonight and everyone that was watching online or listening, along with the ones that are here in the congregation tonight. God, I just pray your blessing would be upon them and, and God, that you would minister to them and strengthen them and uplift them. God, take the principles, God, that we talked about tonight and and, Lord, impart them into our kids, our grandkids, and other children that we have influence on. God, let your blessing now, Lord, be upon each person, we pray. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us in Bible study tonight. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.